Welcome to the Edified Equity Podcast. My name is Dino, and here we focus on all the unique benefits associated with being a passive equity investor in an apartment syndication. You can learn more about and follow us on the web, iTunes, Stitcher, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, and our award-winning blog on Bigger Pockets. All associated links will be in the show notes. If you find this information helpful, please subscribe, like, comment, rate, and review. Today on episode number 69, we have a special guest, Mr. Will Duffy. Will, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Yes, it's an honor to be here and to have you on the show today. So a little bit more about Will. He's a best-selling author, investor, and an investment advisor. As a chartered financial consultant and retirement income certified professional, he operates as a fiduciary and the client's best interest is placed at the front of every recommendation and strategy. He's the author of Roths for the Rich, How to Fund Your Roth with Over $100,000 Each Year, The Other Side of the Coin, Compound Interest, 10 Financial Truths to Protect Your Wealth, and the other side of the coin, mortgages. 12 truths about home buying you'll never learn from a bank. Will dedicated his work to countering half-truths and faulty math that prevents millions from realizing their wealth potential. Will, welcome again. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what it is exactly that you do. Yeah, thanks. So I've been in the financial services industry for about 10 years, and I have spent a lot of time the last few few years really trying to understand the benefits of Roth. This is both Roth IRAs, Roth 401ks, and how to take advantage of what I refer to as the second biggest benefit in the tax code, which is Roth, and how to essentially get over some of the limitations and uh, things that just prevent us from either accumulating wealth or being able to contribute wealth uh, into Roth. And what I've found has, to be honest, really surprised me as well. The flexibility, the ability to utilize Roth in your situation, anyone's situation, is really much bigger and greater than most people can imagine. That has led to the book you just mentioned, Ross for the Rich, where I essentially get rid of all of the myths that people believe today, which is if I make too much money, I can't contribute. If I can contribute, it's not a lot of money. And so if I'm doing you know, real estate deals, you know, syndications, multifamily, etc., it doesn't really make sense. None of that is true. I have essentially unlocked the ability to maximize Roth for someone so that they can do what they're currently doing and make this a part of what they're doing and take advantage of those tax benefits. And really excited to dive into this more with you today. Awesome. Well, thank you. I appreciate, again, appreciate you being here. So um, that's very interesting. I really like how you know you talk about the flexibility to use it as you want to use it and kind of dispel some of the myths and uh, misconceptions that we have about Roths. So let's do that. Then let's go ahead and focus in on Roths for the rich. Um, so our listeners are sophisticated, accredited, and or you know, family offices, centimillionaires, um, entities that have five million or more in net worth. 
you know, what specifically would you want that audience? And I know those, even that audience varies, but um, what specifically would you want them to know? And even more specifically about the audience, there's they are interested in. You know, we are a multifamily um, asset management and um, acquisitions firm, and we educate people about the benefits of passive investing or being a limited partner. So knowing that that's the audience and this is why they're listening to the show, what would you want them to know about Roths? Yeah, so I want to make sure we don't lose any listeners right off the bat. So we're going to need to go into a little bit of history right now. But before we do, here's what I want to make sure everybody that's listening knows. You have the ability to contribute and accumulate more wealth than you ever thought possible into Roth. You have the ability to take advantage of the tax benefits of Roth, no matter how high your income. And you have the ability to do non-traditional investments, meaning investments other than the stock market inside of Roth, including real estate, syndications, multifamily, etc. So with that said, I want to go into a little bit of the history because the history really is important to show us A, how we got here, and B why there are still so many misconceptions on Roth today. To really look at the, uh, the very beginning of Roth, we actually have to go all the way back to 1989 when two senators, Bob Packwood and William Roth, came up with the idea of what they called at the time the IRA+. Plus. And that really is the beginning of what, what we have today now known as the Roth IRA. The timing is incredibly important. The reason they came up with this idea in 1989 was because taxes were just reduced, meaning tax brackets were lowered in 1988 to some of the lowest percentages we've ever had in the history of the income tax, which goes all the way back to 1913. And so if we look at traditional tax defer uh investment vehicles like IRAs, 401ks, SEPs, etc. We find that those vehicles came about at times of historically high taxes. And so it made sense at the time to defer the tax, not pay it, wait for taxes to come down and pay taxes later. Well, in 1988, we get the Reagan tax cuts by which they're known today. And we've got a top tax bracket of 28%. And so at the time, these two senators realized, wait a minute, people are not going to want to defer that tax. They're going to want to pay it. Why don't we come up with a vehicle where they can pay the tax at a low rate and then never pay taxes on the gains again? Well, their idea of the IRA plus, uh, the government wasn't exactly you know, too excited to implement this because they saw that the benefit would be, you know, truly on the side of the American worker, the American taxpayer, and not them. And it actually took them eight years of continually bringing this up in Congress, trying to get this passed, negotiating all the rules, regulations, etc. And we get the Roth IRA in 1997 through the Taxpayer Relief Act. Now, this would not become available until January 1st of 1998, but it was actually passed, I believe, in August of 1997. And essentially what we get is we get a vehicle now, the Roth IRA, where you could pay taxes on the seed and not on the harvest. 
So you would pay taxes, meaning this would be post-tax dollars going into the Roth IRA, and all of the gains uh, going forward would be tax-free. Now, it's obviously named after William Roth, and I uh, found an interview that he did around this time. He's now deceased. In this interview, he said the one disappointment he had with the Roth IRA was that the government forced him to put income limitations on this product because if he didn't, this would essentially allow uh, a way for the wealthy to take advantage of this tax benefit. And so at the time, the income limitations were incredibly low, uh, around $100,000 for a household, that's combined income, Mm -hmm. and the contribution limits were very low, around $2,000. So what happened was, when this vehicle was passed back in 1997, it immediately had this stigma to it of, yeah, it's a great idea in principle, but A, I'm wealthy, so I can't participate anyway, and B, it's very small amounts of money. That stigma, believe it or not, still exists today. Wow. Here we are over 20 years later. It still exists, and it's way more prevalent than most people would imagine. The, the reality is there have been six law changes since 1997 that have completely opened the floodgates to give people, including the affluent, unfettered access to this tax benefit. And sadly, the realities that surrounded Roth back in 1997 uh, don't exist today. to to a large scale, yet people still think they do. And so I would argue they are missing out on the tax benefits. Now, Mm -hmm. here's what I'd like to say. I do not believe that these tax benefits of a Roth should replace completely other investment strategies and other tax strategies. What do I mean by that? What I mean is, is that this is not someone needs to decide that this is better than what they're doing and they need to completely switch gears. No, there are still contribution limits and limitations that come with utilizing Roth. And so here's how I look at this. I look at this as everybody's individual situation. They need to figure out how they can maximize Roth in their own situation because the reality is this is not something that's easy to do. I, I had to write a book on it because it's not just a slam dunk. Okay. There are different ways of utilizing it. They're different if you, uh, you know, are an employee with an employer relationship. They're different if you're a business owner with employees. They're different if you're a business owner without employees. And so navigating those waters takes a professional like myself or someone else but the book is a way to give people a head start and understand what those might be. Okay. And so what people need to do is figure out how they can maximize this in their personal life, in their own individual situation. I actually have uh, a family office client personally, and they absolutely love what I help them do on the Roth side. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about very significant wealth, but they know the benefits are powerful with Roth. And so whatever we can do, let's go ahead and do that. Let's not 
uh, you know, make the perfect the enemy of the good. If we can get some, we'll get some and we'll utilize it. And then we'll look at different strategies and different ideas with the rest of what we have. Mm -hmm. So this is not a, you know, do it and get rid of everything else or not do it situation. This is a situation where it's like, hey, and, I, and I'm going to use some real estate examples now because okay. I know that's what your audience is looking for. Right. So number one, am I a fan of real estate? 100%. I own it. I believe in it. Am I a fan of the strategies and tax benefits of real estate? Absolutely. That's what makes real estate one of the best asset classes out there. So for example, uh, depreciation. Uh, is a significant benefit when utilized properly. The the ability to defer a gain, uh, a tax on a gain and do a 1031 exchange is a significant benefit. Mm -hmm. Now, with that said, uh, what if you could have, start accumulating wealth in Roth and not have to do the legwork of depreciating and the cost of depreciating the legwork of doing a cost segregation study and the cost of doing a cost segregation study and having to calculate is the depreciation recapture going to be at 25 percent or was it accelerated and it's now going to be uh, recaptured at ordinary income and oh what are the ordinary income taxes are going to be and having to uh you know find a property in 45 days to do a 1031 exchange and having to close in 180 days and maybe not buying the one that you wanted to. Mm -hmm. Again, there's nothing wrong with going through hurdles and hoops for the tax benefits, but wouldn't it be nice to start accumulating wealth in Roth to where you don't need to worry about depreciation because you don't need it. You don't need to worry about a cost segregation study because you don't need it. You don't need to worry about a 1031 exchange because you don't need it. Once you can get wealth into Roth, and by the way, the, the subtitle of my book is How to Fund Your Roth with Over $100,000 Each Year, you can get significant wealth in Roth relatively quickly to be able to start doing these real estate deals. Mm -hmm. And a as you start to accumulate this, you are now creating a piece of your personal portfolio where these great tax benefits aren't even needed because it's all going to be 100% tax-free gains. The income from the property doesn't need to be offset by depreciation because the income is tax-free. The gains, the appreciation, if you will, on the back end, you don't need to worry about a 1031 exchange, finding a property in 45 days, closing in 180 days because you don't have to pay taxes on the appreciation. That is the power of Roth. And that is why I can confidently say that Roth is the second biggest benefit in the tax code. Now, with that said, there's always going to be uh, rules and regulations. The, as people say, the devil's in the details. And so, yes, there's going to be a lot of questions that people have right now that they're like, man, this sounds great, but what about this? What about this? What about this? And I want to talk about those details with the remainder of our time okay. and kind of go from there. Because, yes, th there are things that people need to be aware about to, to make sure that it works in their situation. But I always like to start big picture and then go into the details after that. And so I think that's a good uh, foundation for the big picture of what Roth does, how it works, 
We got rid of immediately the myths that people can't take advantage of this or it's small amounts of money. None of that is true. And so now let's dive into the details. All right, that sounds good. So, and thank you for that. That was very enlightening. I mean, before I get into the next question, just something to continue the conversation. So if we have, if, if you have an, an equity, a limited partner invest into a syndication and the general partnership team, the operators, we're going to do all these studies anyway, and you still you decided to invest into the syndication with your Roth. Like you were saying, you don't need the bonus depreciation cost segregation. I mean, essentially, are they double dipping, or, or or does it just not matter to them that the operators did those studies? Yeah, that's a great question, and so. You asked a tough question, which is okay. great. I okay. love I love tough I love tough questions. <laughs> but the reality is every single deal is going to be structured differently. Mm-hmm. And that is going to dictate how this whole thing works. Okay. And so I can't give a blanket answer. Okay. And obviously everybody should be reaching out to their tax professionals, CPAs, enrolled agents, etc., to figure out how exactly this will work. But I can tell you and I think we should spend time okay. on what's known as unrelated business income tax. That is something that a lot of people have heard of, but they're not too familiar with it. They don't know how it works. It scares a lot of people away mm-hmm. of using either traditional IRA money or Roth IRA money in doing real estate. I can tell you from personal experience that the syndication can actually shield the investor from some of those taxes based on how the deal is structured. And so again, uh, let's, let's dive into those because I don't want people to fear those. I want people to understand exactly how they work. And so I'll just start talking about okay. that right now. Perfect. To give people kind of a quick, a quick rundown and education on how these things work. Because the acronyms are confusing, the information on the internet is confusing, and so I hope to give you at least a foundation right now for how these work and some benefits. Thank you. So number one, the tax itself is known as UBIT, U-B-I-T. That stands for Unrelated Business Income Tax. Now, that tax can be triggered by two types of income. The first one is called UBTI, which is Unrelated Business Taxable Income. So a lot of people kind of get these two confused. UBIT and UBTI are actually completely different. The second thing that can trigger UBIT is what's known as Unrelated Debt Financed Income, UDFI. So if you're taking notes, UBIT is the tax, TI and UDFI are what trigger the UBIT. Now, a lot of people like the idea, as do I, of using IRA and 401k money for investing in real estate. Now, with with that comes the potential of having UBTI or UDFI trigger UBIT. And I will say that this is not necessarily the greatest tax because the the rates are essentially at trust rates which kick in at very low thresholds and so it is something to be concerned about but it's also something to be educated about and not just be so fearful that you don't want to get involved Mm -hmm. 
the UBTI, the unrelated business taxable income, that is triggered essentially if you are running a business inside of your IRA, 401k, or Roth. Okay. And this is an interesting gray area in the tax code because it's not cut and dry as to what constitutes running a business. There's some general good uh, ideas uh, and some principles that people can, can abide by. But if someone is doing a syndication, they don't really need to worry about this one because the syndication is really going to be the business uh, as, as opposed to them running the business. Right. Now, right. it is possible, though, with these syndications for this tax to be triggered down to the LP level, down to the limited partner level. Okay. In that situation... Having someone good on your team that understands these taxes is going to be crucial. And you're simply going to want to do, for lack of a better term, a cost-benefit analysis. The cost in this example is going to be the UBIT that's being triggered by UBTI, what the tax will be versus the, if you're doing it on the Roth side, the, the Roth benefits that you'll be getting. I can tell you this, and this is very, very uh, not well known, is that this is a weird situation where you can actually take depreciation inside of the IRA world. You can take depreciation to offset the UBIT tax. Okay. And so, again, if you sit down and you really run the numbers, what I found personally and with clients is that the tax really is not that big of a deal on the UBIT side uh, coming from UBTI. Right. So that's, that's, that covers that, I think, as best as we can do on a podcast. Okay. Let's talk about UDFI. This is an interesting one. So if there is leverage involved, so if there, UDFI again stands for unrelated debt financed income. If there is debt being used to leverage and finance to to buy this real estate, that automatically triggers UDFI, which triggers UBIT. Now, this is also fascinating, and and it's a benefit of a syndication. If a syndication is using real estate, uh, uh, real estate leverage, Mm -hmm. so debt, mortgages, et cetera, then that completely shields the Roth or the IRA from having UDFI because the UDFI is when the leverage or debt is inside of the IRA uh, directly. Right. So this is very significant. But anybody listening that is going to have debt or leverage inside of their IRAs or Roths directly, let's talk about this. So this, so, so number one, I think most people are aware of this, but inside of the IRA and Roth world, you need to use a special type of financing, which is known as non-recourse financing. And so that's kind of just step one that everybody needs to realize is that the um, the, the, the lender uh, essentially cannot go after the IRA or the Roth. That would be considered a prohibited transaction. And so you got to do non-recourse financing where their only recourse is essentially the property. That's number one. Number two is once we have non-recourse financing, that's what triggers UDFI. Now, uh, 
this again has to be looked at because it's not an easy uh, it's not an easy calculation and it's not just cut and dry as once you have it it's a, it's a terrible thing this is something that is only going to be calculated on the portion that you have financed but number two I want to let people know of a huge 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 benefit that I can only find one other person other than myself talking about in the country. Okay. And that is this. There is an exception to UDFI in the 401k world. So you can actually use leverage in a 401k or a Roth 401k and not have UDFI. You only have it on the IRA side. Okay. And so this is, if you want to talk about the minutest detail of all details in the tax code, this might be it. Right. And so I meet a lot of people who are either not financing or staying away from this entire thing because they don't want UDFI, which triggers UBIT, and don't realize they can actually do all of this in the 401k side and completely avoid it. Right. So personally, I have a solo 401k. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of clients that have solo 401ks. Solo 401k is not, a, is not an actual tax code term. It's not a legal term. It's not an IRS term. It's a street term, and I like it. The actual term by the IRS is individual 401k. And essentially, any business owners, including partners, that don't have any employees other than a spouse can set up an individual 401k for themselves, which I like to call a solo k. And they can utilize this to, A, put a lot of money into Roth. Mm-hmm. My, my book covers this extensively. And B, utilize some unknown benefits like the avoidance of UDFI. Yeah. It's phenomenal. And so that, I think, covers as much as we can today okay. on UBTI and UDFI, which both trigger UBIT. It's something that's real. It exists. You may have to pay it, but it's something that when you really look at it under a microscope, it's either avoidable or you can really reduce it down to something where it makes sense to pay because of all the other tax benefits you're receiving. Right. Understood. Yeah, thank you. I mean, listeners, I I encourage you to rewind and listen again and take notes because that was – I mean that was like – golden nuggets just being dropped down on us right there so thank you for that that was phenomenal um and it really broke i learned a lot it broke it down into actually a way that i really understood it and so thanks again um because that is one of that is a concern you know as a as a sponsor of deal specific direct investments that's one of the main things that some of the limited partners ask and just like you said it's some for some people just it's like a game. It's um. It says they say no. It puts up this wall, and they're like taxes. I'm out. Like I'm not gonna get all the tax benefits. I'm out. When you dive deep, you can see that um, that is not the case, and you just need to do more research and make sure you're doing it right by working with people like Will. So, um, you had mentioned earlier when we we started talking about. Well, you said it actually a couple times. It was the second greatest benefit in the U.S. tax code. And um, so I'm just curious, and I know the listeners probably are too, if they're if they're human, and hopefully they are. What is the first? Yes. So <laughs> everybody asks me that. Yeah. And 
I'll give the short answer okay. just so that I don't leave everybody hanging. <laughs> but we'll probably have to do another podcast on this okay. to, to go over all the details. Uh, in my opinion, hands down, life insurance is actually the biggest benefit in the tax code. Okay. And when it comes to myths and misconceptions, there's probably way more with life insurance than there is with Roth. Mm-hmm. The things you can do with life insurance, the strategies are phenomenal. And the gains that you get with life insurance while you're living are all income tax-free. The death benefit is completely income tax-free. And there's actually some very unique liquidity strategies that can be utilized with real estate and life insurance combined Mm -hmm. that are phenomenal. Uh, One of them I do for clients all the time, I call the bank replacement strategy. And this is a way to essentially not replace the bank when it comes to financing, but replace the bank when it comes to liquidity for doing real estate deals. What I've found in my life, both personally and meeting people, is there's this real estate cycle Mm -hmm. that pretty much everybody does. And it's not bad, but it's a defensive strategy. And if we go on the offensive, it means way more uh, gains and accumulation than it does being defensive. And that real estate cycle is this. Someone that wants to invest in real estate, no matter really what it is, has to accumulate money in order to get enough to be able to participate. The syndication might have a minimum. There might be a minimum down payment required by the bank because it's an investment property. Who knows what the situation is? Mm -hmm. They accumulate that in a bank account. And bank accounts are not known for notoriously high returns. Right. (laughs) They're very low. Once they have the money and they put it into a deal, again, depending on the deal that they have, they usually are going to have some kind of a return, whether it's uh, you know uh, cash flow, whether it's quarterly uh, distributions, etc. Well, what they do with those returns is they want to do another real estate deal. So they want to accumulate those returns. So they do that in a bank account until they have enough to do their second deal. And that is the cycle. There's huge amounts of lost opportunity cost happening in in everywhere that the bank is involved. Mm-hmm. We put our money in bank accounts. It earns us between zero and let's call it 1.2%. And we pay taxes on that, on those gains. Yeah. And when we take the money out, we're not earning anymore. The bank replacement strategy essentially replaces the bank account with what I call an overfunded life insurance policy to eliminate all of that lost opportunity cost that's happening being in a bank. And so the reason life insurance gets the nod at number one for me and Roth gets the nod at number two is two reasons. Life insurance has a death benefit, Roth doesn't. And so that death benefit being also income tax-free is significant. And number two, we don't have contribution limits really with life insurance like we do with Roth. Mm -hmm. For example, if a married couple comes into my office and they're the most perfect candidate to maximize all of my Roth strategies, we're really only going to be able to get about a hundred to one hundred and twenty thousand dollars per year into life insurance. Okay, I'm sorry, yeah. into, into Roth. Okay, I was like on the life insurance side, we don't have that that limitation. So if somebody wants to, and I personally have clients doing this, want to put seven figures into life insurance every year to take advantage of the liquidity still do their real estate and get the tax benefits, they can do that. And so that's what makes life insurance number one and Roth number two. Got it. What, that, that makes sense. 
Um, so you had mentioned um, briefly that things have changed since 97. Is there anything else um, that you wanted to touch about, like what specifically has changed, or do you think you covered that in the initial? Yeah, question? let's talk about that for okay. for a second. So the changes are <clears throat> numerous. Again, I mentioned there were six, and I don't want to go into all six. Okay. But every single change essentially got rid of some of the red tape, if you will, meaning Good. more money can go into Roth. Uh, you can get around the income limitations. You can do conversions. You can contribute more. You can now utilize it in a 401k plan, not just in an IRA. Those are the types of benefits that have, ha that have come from these changes. I do want to talk about one of the changes, the most recent, which is the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act in 2017 that went effect in December, on January 1st, 2018. This is the most significant tax reform in history. And it actually has a huge impact on Roth for this reason. The tax brackets were lowered to essentially the lowest amounts we've had since 1988, which we talked about. Mm -hmm. And the thresholds were increased to the highest they've ever been hmm. since the Roth in 1997. Now, an increase in the threshold is a good thing, and a decrease in the, in the bracket is a good thing. So this is a double benefit that happened at the same time. An increase in threshold means you can make more money without going into a higher bracket. The double benefit of lower tackets and higher thresholds means this is the most beneficial time in, in, in the history of the Roth mm -hmm. to utilize Roth. And so people, A, should be funding Roth like crazy because taxes are temporarily reduced. Now, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act is scheduled to sunset, meaning expire, December 31st of 2025. So this is already scheduled to go away. Okay. We don't have to speculate on taxes going up. They're scheduled to go up. And, of course, as anything you know, with the government and legislation and Congress, that can all change. You know, we right. don't know who, who's going to be elected next, and all that could change sooner. But this is a window of opportunity that people need to take advantage of. In my opinion, people are not taking advantage of it on a very large scale. And number two, something that's often overlooked is not just contributing to Roth, but converting to Roth. Mm -hmm. If people have accumulated large balances in traditional pre-tax accounts like IRAs and traditional 401ks, this is an opportunity to convert that money strategically with low brackets and high thresholds and get that money to Roth during this window of opportunity. We help our clients all the time put together strategic Roth conversion plans, which sometimes take years mm -hmm. because we want to do this in a way to where we can pay the tax now on these pre-tax accounts, pay the tax while it's temporarily suppressed and then have all of the tax-free gain protection for the rest of your life in Roth. Awesome. So um, before we move, because I have uh, just a few more like just success personal questions, things like that. Is there anything else that you want to share, um, whether it comes from the book or from your brain related to um, Roths? Uh, I think that's a great starter. Okay. Uh, let me know if questions come in from your listeners. <laughs> sure. And if we need to do a part two and do a deeper dive, happy to do that. All right, perfect. So this one, just I like to talk – every time I have guests that are super successful, um, I always like to ask, 
you know, what daily habits or rituals do you perform to help you stay uh, focused and be successful? Yeah, you know, that's a good question. And it's a bit of a curveball. I didn't expect that <laughs> in a uh, conversation uh, around money. But I will give away my biggest secret, which is that I read. Mm. Uh, I'm an avid reader, always, always have been. And so <clears throat> whether I'm reading books whether it's articles, whether it's even just keeping up on the news, it's amazing what you'll learn and what you'll pick up mm -hmm. just reading. And so in my opinion, a lot of people, and there's nothing wrong with this, a lot of people like physical books. I actually like digital books. Uh, I love Kindle books, okay. and, and here's why. Uh, I can take <laughs> essentially my entire library with me yeah. in my back pocket on my cell phone no matter where I go. Yeah. And any time I have 15, 20, 30 minutes of downtime, I could be waiting in line, I could be you know, getting onto a plane. Mm -hmm. Whenever I have that, I can just grab my phone and I can continue to read. And it keeps track of all my bookmarks mm -hmm. and, and where I'm at in those books. I can highlight, I can search, et cetera. So that, that really is, is kind of what I would consider the, the key to my success is I'm always reading, always learning. The, the reality is the world we live in is ever-changing. It's constantly mm -hmm. moving. The only thing consistent is change. Yep. And in my opinion, keeping up on all of those changes is the way to stay ahead of the game and be as successful as possible. That makes sense. Yep. So avid reader. I like it. Um, all right. So share with us what currently excites you. What projects are you working on? Yeah, so always working on a lot of different things. Uh, I, I do like to keep a lot of things under wrap. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know if that's strategic or more <laughs> just my personality, uh, but I do kind of keep things under wrap until they're going to be released. Mm -hmm. What really excites me right now, okay. and I'm going to re reiterate this, is the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. Okay. This is such a significant window of opportunity. that The tax benefits inside of this tax reform are so significant from an income tax perspective, from a estate tax perspective. There's so much in there. And what I fear is that people are going to just be behind the eight ball and, and, and forget to really dive into this. And all of a sudden it's going to be gone. Like 2025 is going to be here? Well, or... 2025 or maybe even sooner. <laughs> right, because right? things change, right. And so I was, I was diving into the, this in 2017. This all went down in December of 2017 mm -hmm. when most people are you know, focused on family mm -hmm. and holidays, which is all great. But I was like, wait a minute. If this <laughs> has to do with a change in taxes, this is going to affect me personally. It's going to affect my clients. I started diving into this in December of 2017 so that I could hit the ground running in January of 2018. Mm -hmm. And I actually came up with a strategy in December of 2017 that there's no point in going over it because it's gone. Okay. But it had to do with knowing that taxes were going to go down. Right. And so I got you. the sooner we have information, the sooner we can act. There is still time in 2019 to take advantage of this in 2019. Interestingly enough, there might actually be a way of taking advantage of some of these things for 2018 if someone has filed an extension and hasn't done their tax return yet. But the sooner people can understand the magnitude of what is 
just essentially on a platter that they can take advantage of with this latest tax reform. And again, from a from a money standpoint, from a word standpoint, this is the most significant tax reform in history, and it's not even close. Uh, and again, it's temporary. Mm-hmm. So people, I think, really need to sit down, take a deep breath, pause, and be like, okay, I don't want to miss this window. All right. And what can I do? Get with a professional, take a look at your situation, find out what's in there, and just take advantage of it. Because here's the reality. Taxes are really here. There's really not much we can do about them. But we do get tax benefits from the government. Mm -hmm. And we get them for, for various reasons. And to be honest with you, who cares why we get them? We're given them, and the government, you know, does not require you to fill out a form every year. Uh, saying, did you take advantage of these benefits or here they are? No. The form you have to fill out is what do you owe us? Mm -hmm. So (laughs) there is legwork you got to do to take advantage of these. And I'm so big on it because taxes could be easily the single biggest obstacle for people to create wealth long term. And the benefits are going to come and go. And so when they come, you got to understand them and take advantage of. So that's what I'm excited about right now. I like it. Well, that's good. That's what you should be excited about, right? So um, I want to thank you again, and maybe we can do a part two deep dive into something else or even you know, just continue more on this topic as well. Share with us, and I'm going to have all of this available in the show notes, but share with us audio-wise what's the best way for one of the guests to get a hold of you and where can they pick up the book? Yeah, thanks. Uh, Right now I'm going through a major rebranding, and so the best way currently to get a hold of me, uh, or or let's start with finding my books, would be to go to Amazon. Uh, Amazon really kind of seems to be the best place for books. Mm -hmm. So you can search Amazon for my name, Will Duffy. Uh, You can search Roth IRA. You can search Compound Interest. Any of those three searches, I'll come up right at the top. Okay. And that'll give you access to my bio, my books, uh, the books are available, physical books if you'd like, uh, and also Kindle books if you'd like. And if you want to reach me directly uh, to have a co- phone consultation, to meet, etc., uh, the quickest and best way is a phone call. And okay. our number is 720-600-7070. That's 720 Thanks again for having me, Dino. Hey, no problem. Thank you. Thanks for coming on. I hope you found this information helpful. And whether you're here for the education, entertainment, or if you or someone you know has a problem finding the right place to invest their money, please help them by sharing this information. I don't have anything to sell, but I am on a mission. And I'll be delivering quality, consultative, educational content on a routine basis. Thanks for tuning in. Make it a great day. You certainly deserve it. This is Dino Pierce, CEO of Edified Equity, signing off. Goodbye.